Hello everyone, it's so good to be with you again this week. And um, before we um, uh, get on with our study and be looking at things concerning salvation, um, I would like us uh, this, uh, today, uh, before we get ourselves out of the garden, to make sure that we're absolutely clear about the function of that tree of life. Um, you know, we find it in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 9. It says, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, there were two trees in that garden, weren't there? And the fruit of those trees produced two entirely different outcomes. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as we've seen from the experience of Adam and the woman, produced death. Eating the fruit from that tree brought separation from God's purpose for them. And this tree, of course, had nothing to do with knowing good and evil in the same way that God understands and knows good and evil. But rather, this tree has to do with deciding, determining what is good or evil from the individual's own perspective. And every time that we might make a determination, a decision about a person or a situation, apart from seeing the situation or the person through and then acting in accordance with the scriptures, we can eat from this same tree. There's that which God sees and there's that which comes out of us. And it's the way God sees things that must always take precedence in all things. So what about this tree of life? How should we understand the purpose of this tree? Well, something that's very useful for us in our study of the scripture is context. Going to see the context in which we find this tree of life will be the place for us to begin. And again, as we do that, we'll remember the purpose for the man and the woman being created. They were to have dominion, to rule in the seventh day. And they were placed in the garden, the location from which rulership was to take place, and they were given a choice. When it came to fulfilling their purpose, to rule, to have dominion, they could either do what was right in their own eyes, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or they could choose to do it God's way by eating from the tree of life. And so immediately as we consider this, we will see that the tree of life is seen in conjunction with the purpose of the man and the woman's creation, rulership. Now, if we move on to Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, we see this. So he drove out the man and he placed the cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So once the man and the woman had disqualified themselves to rule because of their sin, they were no longer allowed to have access to the tree of life. Or to say that another way, once it was not possible for them to rule, they were not to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life then has to do with rulership and it has to do with the seventh day. Let's move on a little bit to the book of Revelation and look in chapter two, verse number seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise or the garden of God. And this, of course, is the first of those seven promises 
that will be realised by those who are overcomers. Christians from this dispensation who are found to be worthy at Christ's judgment seat. Those who we've spoken of in past weeks who are the ones taken from the body of Christ to be the bride of Christ. Those who will rule with him during the seventh day, the millennial kingdom. And what's the promise that's given to these overcomers? They will eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden. And this is repeated again later at the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 22, verse number 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. And that city would be the new Jerusalem. Now, here is the thing that will resolve a common error for us with regards to the tree of life. The overcoming Christians seen in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 22, those who do his commandments already have eternal life, or else they wouldn't be there in the first place. It is those then who already have eternal life who will eat from the tree of life. This tree then has nothing to do with giving eternal life to those who eat it, but everything to do with equipping those who eat it to rule as God would rule in the seventh day. You know, sometimes people wonder whatever happened to that tree of life in the garden. Well, I think the flood of Noah would deal with that for us quite nicely. Uh, it was there in the garden at the very moment when the man and the woman were there in order that they should rule in the seventh day. The tree is then no longer seen until we get to the book of Revelation, where again we're going to find a man and a woman, Christ and his bride, who are going to rule together in the seventh day. And once again, that tree comes into focus and those who make up the bride will get to eat from that tree, just as the man and the woman could have done in the garden to begin with. But you know, there are a few other places where we find the tree of life mentioned um, in the book of Proverbs is, is where we find it. So let's just have a little look at some of the things that are said there. Proverbs 3.13 says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. If you go down to verse 18, she, that is wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. Well, the wisdom we're looking at here, obviously, this is not man's wisdom. This is God's wisdom. And this is dealing with the person who understands that wisdom, that wisdom that God has. And this wisdom will lead them ultimately to the tree of life, again, which is in the midst of the garden of God. And so we can see a connection once again here with the tree of life, those who keep his commandments, those who understand the wisdom of God concerning the seven days and the millennial kingdom. And for those who do, the tree of life comes into focus once again. Then we could go to Proverbs 13, 12, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And the hope that we have is the appearing of the glory of our blessed God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see from Titus. And that hope deferred, because it's not here yet, 
makes the heart sick. We long for it, we desire it. But when that desire comes, when the glory of that great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, appears for those who have grasped hold of the wisdom of God and have gained understanding of it, it becomes a tree of life. Then Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Well, again, what would be a wholesome tongue other than a tongue that spoke the truth, scriptural truth, biblical truth, God's truth? And for those who proclaim that wholesome truth, the word of God, as it is written, as it is presented, as we are to understand it, that wholesome tongue becomes a tree of life for them. If we declare the word of God correctly and properly, then we will find in that day that we will have access to that tree of life. And finally, to go back a few chapters in Proverbs, and I wanted to keep this one till last, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Well, the fruit of the righteous, the fruit produced by those who are righteous, those who are saved, will become a tree of life. And the fruit here, obviously, this will take us right into Matthew chapter 21, where the Lord tells the nation of Israel that the kingdom of the heavens will be taken from them and will be given to a nation producing the fruits of it. And this is the fruit we're dealing with here. Fruits that are produced out of faithfulness, out of faith, that which comes from being faithfully obedient to the word of God. And those who do that, who produce those fruits, we will find then that they will have access once more to that tree of life. And all these references to the tree of life shows it to be something yet future, something to do with that millennial kingdom that which is to come, where that tree awaits those who will be found worthy at Christ's judgment seat. And the last part of that verse from Proverbs 11, he who wins souls is wise. Gosh, right back to the salvation of the soul that we ended with last week. And let's just clear up one thing which we'll have to come back to later. When we're dealing with winning souls, are we dealing with the eternally lost or are we dealing with the eternally saved? Well, the answer to that question will unlock all kinds of things for us as we begin to think about it. And we will come back to that and maybe we'll come back to that next week. But let's remember one thing. We've already seen from our previous weeks of study that at the point of our eternal salvation, it was our spirit that was fully redeemed. We still have a soul that needs redemption and a body that wins redemption. So if we think about that, when we're talking about winning souls, who is it we're talking about? Well, more next time, but only, of course, if the Lord is willing. Thank you for being here today. Do appreciate it. God bless you all. Bye bye.